Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Today's show was brought to you by Panama City Beach. Are you dreaming of a beach vacation today? Get away to the sugar white sands and turquoise waters of Panama City Beach, Florida. You'll discover endless family fun, heart-pounding thrills, eco-adventure, and romance. So make it memorable. Make it yours at Panama City Beach, the real fun beach. Plan your escape today at visitpanamacitybeach.com. Happy September, friends. If you are listening in the northern part of the United States, I want to say happy back to school. A lot of you guys do not go back to school until after Labor Day, but we have been in the full swing of routine and early morning football practices, and we've had our first football games already. The Texas Longhorns had their first game this weekend, so we are in the swing of back to school. Today on the podcast is my friend Kat Armstrong. You might remember Kat if you're an OG happy hour listener. She was on the show forever ago in episode number 81 back in 2016. Kat is smart and supportive, and she's a voice for women who are stepping into their faith and their giftings and their callings. In this conversation today, we talk a lot about just that. We talk about the way that she is supportive of women stepping in their callings. Kat released a book earlier this year called No More Holding Back, emboldening women to move past barriers, see their worth, and serve God everywhere. I say this in the conversation today, but I'm going to tell you again right now that this book is full of words that had me saying out loud, you go girl, amen, yeah, cat." I had the honor of not only reading this book early, but also endorsing the book. And I am a really big fan of women who spur each other on, and Kat does just that. I do want to mention something real quick for you guys in case this could be a trigger for you. We talk for a moment about the loss of Kat's dad and his death by suicide. And Kat shares a little bit about how it's been for her walking through the grief of her dad's mental illness and death. We know that the reality of losing someone through suicide, it's a unique pain. So we want to make sure that we mention this in the early part of the conversation for those of you who may choose to wait or skip the beginning or listen at another time. You're going to love today's show. And I'm so thankful that Kat came and sat down with me as we talked about a conversation that is near and dear to both of our hearts, and that is women believing their calling, believing that they can be faithful women of the word, just like men can. And so you're going to love the conversation. Friends, if you're listening to this conversation on the day it releases, which would be September 4th, I would love for you to head on over to Instagram and give myself a follow, along with some of the other people that are on the trip that I'm on right now. I mentioned this in last week's episode with Tess Clark, that I'm traveling to El Paso to see some of the work that's going down at the border between Texas and Mexico with World Relief. I would love it if you came over and followed us. You could see what we're doing. You know, if you've been around here a while, that Instagram is my favorite social media platform. I love it so much. I love sharing my life with you. I love sharing silly things that I love about clothes or books or makeup or whatever, but I really love sharing important things with you. And so come over to my Instagram. It's at Jamie Ivy, and you can follow the work that they are doing down at the border with World Relief. Okay, friends, here is my conversation with my friend, Kat Armstrong. Kat, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. It's like in real life. It's real life. We can like touch each other and hold hands, <laughs> not through the computer. Now you're a repeat guest. It's always exciting. You were actually number 81. How was, much of your life has changed since a lot March has of 2016? A lot in our world. A lot has changed in my life. 
Oh my goodness. I was a different person in 2016. Were you really? Yeah. How? I, ever since my father passed away two years ago, I tell people that. I'm just different. I don't, I can't, I don't have language for it yet. I'm still working through some of that, but I'm a different person. Like it's a new lens of how I look at the world. And Better I think I, lens? Yeah. I mean, for sure. Got more compassion for people who've experienced loss, um, anything related to suicide, anything like that, uh, for sure. Um, but I also think that I have less capacity than I used to. 2016, I was ready and raring to go. And now I'm pacing myself. Maybe you just have different objectives. Yeah. So you mentioned your dad passing away mm-hmm. three years, two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Um, and I know your dad died by suicide. Yeah, he, he it, it was pills first that didn't work. And then he shot himself and that didn't work either. So he ended up in ICU for two weeks. Um, and so he eventually passed away from the wounds he inflicted on himself. But that wasn't the first, he had struggled with depression, suicidal tendencies, and a lifetime of substance abuse. So, so you, are your parents married or divorced? They were married. Married. Mm-hmm. So you've had to walk through a lot more than just that instance. Mm-hmm. Did that mark you as a child growing up? And then, I mean, you say you're different on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. There had to have been things that led up to that. And then this is a marker where you say cat's different. Yeah, I can remember going to college and thinking, oh, things weren't right at home with him. Okay. But I did not know. I was, you didn't I, have the language for it? Yeah, and I was maybe 18 or 19 before I realized there's a different way in Christ to do life, to do marriage, to ask for help when you have addictions or hurts. And I didn't know that until I became a Christian at 16. So I had only had a couple of years in the scriptures and doing life with Christian people. So they taught me how there's a different way to live. And when you went off to college. Yeah. And then I started looking back and going, oh, mm. things were weird. That wasn't right. He's really struggling. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then for the last eight years of his life, he really struggled to just like exist because he had a back injury. So he, it, that just really took the will to live mm. away. And so in some ways, like people, I don't want to just toss it out there. This is what happened. But in some ways you're like, it, we knew some of this was coming. It's always hard to hear people talk on the other side of that, uh, to hear them say, and I want to use the right words here, to hear them say, like, we weren't surprised. Yeah. Uh, I've never walked through that. And so that understanding of that is difficult because I've never walked alongside someone with mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've heard people say that often Mm -hmm. is, in, in fact, I was actually just listening to Kay Warren mm-hmm. on um, Dr. Moore's podcast the other day. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening, Kay, I would love to invite you on the happy hour. But she was talking about mental illness and, you know, her son died by suicide. Yes. And she said, and I had I'd never heard anyone say this before. She said it was her biggest fear yeah. is that he would take his life yeah. because of how sick he was. Yes. You walked through this as a daughter. I just can't imagine that from a loved one. Yeah. Of yeah, he didn't wondering. Wanna- he didn't want to live. Okay, so you you knew that because he would talk about it. And I think that's, you don't become desensitized to it in any way, but it becomes normalized. It's just, it becomes your norm. It becomes normal that this okay. is, dad doesn't want to live. He's in so much physical pain that that was the last, kind of the last straw, just mm. really broke him. And so that, like I said, I'm a different person now. So you, you go through something like that and you're like, I'm just not the same. You changed. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm still, we went really deep, really fast. I'm still my, you know, I still love to have fun and my life is good. I feel meaning and purpose, but there's definitely a part of like, something's been taken from me and I won't get it back until God comes back, restores all things. And so I'm hopefully waiting for, for that, like being reunited with him. I think that that you saying that is not odd. I think that most people who have walked through the loss of the way that you walked through with your dad mm-hmm. would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm different on the other side of this. Oh yeah, yeah. I you can't you can't hear people use any sort of uh, language that I I wish it would end. I you know I, man, I could just toss it all away. Or you hear things like that, and you're like, hey, time out. Let's let's talk about that for real though. Um, So it's things like that. And you'll pick up things, just people at church and you'll go, hey, I wanna have a conversation with you about that. Or, um, and then I've just become real vocal about take the medication, go see an LPC. I'm doing all of those things and I don't have suicidal tendencies and I can't get through life without all of these helps. So get all, use all the helps. And so I think that was probably the main gift I received from his passing was, I always wanna be the kind of person who says, I just need help. I need a lot of help. And so you're wanting to make that more normalized around the people that you do mm-hmm. life with. Yeah, for I love sure. It. I love it. God's given you a gift to do that as well. Um, other things that have changed since we last talked in 2016, which we've seen each other numerous yeah, times yeah. since then, we're real life <laughs> friends, um, is no longer baby bow ties. No, that's it's gone. It's gone. Did you sell it or did it? <laughs> no, I sold all my inventory, got rid of it, shut it down. No more baby bow ties. Um, you have written a book. Yes. Since then. Yep. Read a book, wrote curriculum, did DVDs to go with the curriculum. You released this book in July. Yeah. Uh, this is September we're in right now. And the book is called No More Holding Back. Sometimes, I don't know if you're like this with certain things. Some people have this with songs or movies or even like restaurants or food. I can sometimes vividly remember where I was when I read a book. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm trying to remember where I was when I read your book. It probably was on an airplane yeah, or something. Yeah, I think yeah. you're on an airplane. Yeah, probably on an airplane. But um, you had asked me graciously, I felt very honored if I would give you an endorsement. And I was like, well, yes, not, I read every book before I give an endorsement. That's just a thing of mine. Yeah. And I devoured it. You did? I think I even texted you pictures. You did. And I saved them. So I have a little file folder where I put things so that when I get blue about something, I'm like, I'm going to go to my encouragement folder. That's a good idea. I like that. But I did. uh, The book is called No No More Holding Back, Emboldening Women to Move Past Barriers, See Their Worth, and Serve God Everywhere. And this book, I should read my endorsement. You should read Not because it's cool, but because I can just tell you how much I love love this book because I say it. Are you ready? Yes. Kat is a brilliant Bible teacher. True. And a ferocious cheerleader for women. True. I underlined so much in my book and said out loud, you go girl, more times than I can count. This book will challenge you, encourage you, and inspire you to do all the great things that God has prepared in advance for you to do. On behalf of all of the women now and in the generations to come, I say thank you, Kat, for writing these words for us. I love that I think I can speak for all the women in the world, but there I would go. Um, but I want to talk about this message in this book. And you and I have talked about this message a yeah. lot. It is important to both of us yeah. um, as being women who are leaders in the church yep. by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. What made you say, I want to write a book to women, to my generation, to generations to come, to the generations ahead of us that says, no more holding back. I want to empower women to serve the Lord 
wherever they are. It was like a snowball effect, Jamie. I mean, you have like one lived experience that kind of sets you off and then you go to the scriptures and you research and then you have new awareness and then you do some more research. So all of that happened. I think that's behind every book message. But I think it was, I'm coming up on 12 years with Polish Ministries, co-founded this organization. You should real quick, because tell real quick, I mean, you can hear all about in episode 81, but tell real quick what Polish is. Yeah, we gather young professional women to navigate career and explore faith. So it's a really safe space for women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s who are working, who feel disconnected from God, far away from the local church, thinking about their faith for the first time in a long time. And so we talk about those things. It only takes a couple of stories before you see a trend. And then you go, huh, that's interesting. She was single. This this young lady, she's married with four children. And they're telling me the same, I keep hearing the same thing over and over and over. And then it takes, this is a doctor, this is a lawyer, this is an attorney, this is a designer, this is a creative. They're saying the same thing. And it's matching my lived experience. And it seems to line up with the word of God. Then you're like, Ding, ding, ding. We this have something here that we need to talk about. Yeah, yeah. this is real. This is, I'm not crazy. This isn't just in my head. And so that's what that's really where No More Holding Back came from. I think it's the idea that a lot of women want to love God with all. Just heart, soul, mind, and strength be all in for Jesus. Yeah, for sure. But there are some things that keep us from doing that. There, And it's it's there's no one that's against us. There's messages that come from outside. And then there's insecurities on the inside. And it creates this perfect storm. And I think we got to like get over some of these hurdles to really love God and to love others. Did you grow up in the church? No. I mean, I started going when I went to middle school, when I started going to a private school. Okay. I was but your to- parents, you didn't, it's like, it's like you had a Christian home where your parents took you to church every Sunday. None of that. I think we went to church growing up and it was, the, the vibe I got was this is about networking. Ah, it's another way to meet people. And I think it served that purpose. What did your parents do that they saw churches networking? My dad was in sales. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think that they viewed Just it that way. Just meet people in the community. And then they did come to faith after I came to faith in sixteen when I was 16. Um, so yeah, it's not so much church influence, although that's there. That is a part of my story. Yeah. Well, I always say, I mean, I'm so thankful for my growing up in the church, you know, just laying those foundations. But I do say sometimes that also gave me a little bit more baggage than other people might bring into things. And so I just, I love to hear, when I listen to people's stories, I always wonder, did they grow up in church or did they come to know Jesus later? And I mean, I say all the time, my kids are growing up, your kid. I mean, Caleb's got, he's a pastor's kid. My husband's a pastor kid. Uh My kids are pastor kids. And so I don't think growing up in church, I think growing up in church is amazing. Well, yeah. I'm just saying, sometimes I feel as though. Caleb just came to faith a couple weeks ago. Tell me about it. It was incredible. I mean, he's this summer is really when reading took hold. I mean, he'd been making progress. And how old reading. is he? He's six. Okay. So he just started first grade. And I we were in a service together. What was weird is it was um, family Sunday. And because Aaron was on, my Aaron was on sabbatical, he, I didn't know what was going on at church. So we just showed up without our, you know, Aaron. And they said, no, we don't have any kids ministry today. We're all going to be in service together. Um, so that was like my first mile marker where you're like, huh, Holy Spirit, this is interesting. This is not our normal Sunday experience. Mm-hmm. So he sat in there with me and he started reading the worship slides. And he's like, mommy, I can read all of the songs. They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about the grave. They're talking about the stone. So I'm thinking, wow, Holy Spirit, this is another. That's interesting. He's never done that before. And then he was super clean at the end. He's not that way at all. He owns the church. He's running all over the place. He's a, jumping he's a pastor's off the, kid yes, right there. Like yeah, jumping off the stage, uh-huh. you know, messing with the microphone. So he was really clingy. And then at the end of the service, I sensed the Holy Spirit say, ask again. 
That's all I heard. And he, Caleb and I have had lots of conversations about Jesus and what it means to be a Christ follower. And I've asked him a couple of times, do, do you think you want to become a Christ follower? And he'll say, no, not yet. No. He'll be real definitive about it. And this time I just heard the Holy Spirit say, ask again. So I said, Caleb, do you want to, do you want to become a Christian? Do you feel like this is real for you? Do you feel faith? And he said, yeah. And then he started to cry. And he oh said, my gosh. He said, but not here. Not here, because there's so many people here. He's very private and very shy. So also, we went, that's not a benefit that his dad's a pastor. But exactly. Yeah. So we went home. It was just me and him, empty house. And we got on the couch, and he brought out his Bible, and I brought out mine. I walked him through the Romans Road. I messed it up. I was so nervous. It's okay. This gives us all hope. I, I you know, I do this for a living, mm-hmm. teach people how to share their faith in the workplace. And I not can't even do it at my house. But we get through to the end. You know, Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So I was trying to describe that. And he had never heard the word confess. So we had to talk about that. He never, um, he didn't understand except in your heart. So we talked about all these things. And then at the end, I said, do you, does this making sense? And he just started bawling. Oh, I remember, I have some on video. Just, and then he said, my, my heart is so happy oh. that tears are coming. And I said, yeah. That's normal. Happy tears are normal. And he said, could we listen to that song, um, Reckless Love, and just cry a little bit? He's such a feeler. I said, yes, we can. So we sat there and cried, and I don't know. It was precious. And Aaron was gone. Aaron was gone, and he was so frustrated. Yeah, I'm sure. He's like, oh, I missed a moment. (laughs) Yeah, he said, what? What happened? And then he wanted to know every detail. Of course, course, yeah. Caleb was a little coy about it. Uh Uh-huh. But... That's amazing. Yeah. Two of my boys got baptized this summer. It was really sweet. I saw that at camp. Yeah, yeah it was really sweet. And Aaron and I were there. It was great. Did y'all do the baptism or someone else yeah. did? No, we did. Which <laughs> You're going to make me cry This again. is like, this, <laughs> some of the pictures are funny. Like, I had no idea. I don't know what I was doing. I've never actually been in a baptism. And we're right. in the ocean. Right. Okay, so it's not like normal. And... um. It's very clear that I don't know what's going on, but it was, I, I was so honored to be there. Like yeah. I was just so honored to stand with my yeah. kids and have their dad and I there. It was just really cool. Sacred it was special. Yeah. Just to give mama's hope. One of my kids, we had lots of conversations about Jesus and I would say, do you want to, do you want to follow him? Do you yeah. want to? And he would say, no, not right now. Yeah. And so, um, I love hearing that from you. And it, yeah. it, it, it didn't bother me nope. because I was like, you know. God and his timing. And yeah. I believe that God is in charge of all things. Well, that's but a huge decision. You don't want to rush big. it. Yeah. 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 So, well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. To the Armstrong family. <laughs> that's the I mean, there's the book and then there's Caleb coming to Jesus. I mean, come on. No comparison. No comparison. So people are like, how's your summer? I'm like, Caleb is in the kingdom. Like it's, you know, but now it's go time, Jamie. You know, now I'm like, we got him an adventure Bible. We are like <laughs> reading, you know, he's all excited about it. And you can see, it's really cool to see tangibly, like watch the Holy Spirit take control of someone's life. Because I talk about it. I believe in the Holy Spirit. But then you see someone who's like, I understand this, mommy. I've seen it the most of my children. The ones that they have given their life to the Lord. You see, now that's cool. I don't know if you saw this happening in Caleb's life. My kids who are older, who have not made that decision, I see God doing things. Mm. And that's cool to watch. It's to see like, you wouldn't have normally, like, are you, you're asking a question. And since they're older, there's a little bit more deeper conversations. Mm-hmm. And just to see, I told Aaron, my Aaron, it's funny that we both have Aaron. I know. And they're both pastors. Yeah, they're both pastors. I told my Aaron, I was like, I really think God's doing something in this person's, one of our kids' life. It's just cool. Mm-hmm. It's cool as parents. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this message of no holding back. <laughs> yes. 
polish. That's where we started. Yeah. You're seeing the same phenomenon happening in women's lives mm-hmm. and you're going, there's a felt need. Let's, let me study and write about this. Without a doubt. I think women are really struggling to find their place in this world. So I think specifically for women who are working, man, we're breaking glass ceilings, like institutional changes come in to the church. Our voices are being heard for the first time in a long time. And so women are coming back to the church and going, where's my place? Is there some unspoken line that I'm not supposed to cross? And I think if you're so focused on that line, whatever it may be in your local context, you can't think about loving others. You can't think about being all in for Jesus. And that's more important than if there's a line, where's the line? But we gotta, you, I mean, you gotta address it if you wanna move forward. I love it. You have three parts in this book. The first one is the messages holding women back. The second is the call to love God. And the third is the call to share God's love. And let's talk about the messages holding women back. I appreciate it. And you share some very personal experiences in here that you've been through um, as a woman leading in the church. You graduated from, I don't know what seminary. Dallas Seminary. Dallas Seminary. Um, And so just some of these messages and these lies, whether they are self-inflicted or others inflicted, that we have started to believe. Yeah. What are some of the ones that you see? Probably a big one is that women can't be trusted to learn or to lead. And I think that's chapter one, if I remember. It is chapter one. And when, when I read that, I'm like, that can't be true. But I think it no, is. I'm not doubting you. I think I'm just we're saying. wondering, you know, can women learn? Can they lead? Where is the line for that? And I came to a place, Jamie, where it was so far beyond labels and theological. Can't, it's just, it's not even about that. It really is more so about if there comes an opportunity in my life to preach the gospel or to teach the word, will I say yes or will I say no? And if my husband is all about it and saying, go for it, Kat. I would love to be home. I'll take care of Caleb. I'll handle it. You you go. Um, this is the right thing for you. And then my community of faith is cheering me on. Then I have all of these like litmus tests saying, it's like a green light. I was still at a place though where I was like, should I, should I not? Should I, should I not? And now I'm like full throttle. Like if I have an opportunity to tell anybody about Jesus anywhere, no matter where they are, I'm going to do it. And so I think women can, of course, learn. They can, of course, lead. But there are some wackadoodle ideology that comes from our early church fathers. And you look at Tertullian, you look at Augustine, you look at, I mean, you can, all these major, major guys who've done so much good for our faith, but they talked about women in the most misogynistic, demeaning terms. And it has, it's picked up over the years and people have played into that. Yeah. And it has just been, and that stuff is passed down. Generation to generation. 100% it is. Yeah. yeah. 100% it is. It influences us in ways that we don't recognize. You know that it it's played a part when, when you have someone like me sitting in a seminary class going, I'm afraid I could learn too much. Mm. What if I learn too much that I know too much about Jesus or the Bible? Is that bad? And you're like, of course that's Which not from bad. a rational thought, we're all sitting here going, what? Right. No, that's not bad. But you actually really felt that. I did feel that. And I don't think you just felt that inside. I think that from what I read and from what I've heard you talk yes. about, that was also inadvertently said. Oh, yeah, it was directly said. A, a guy yelled it at me in class, in a seminary class. He what did said, he, what happened? He said, uh, I raised my hand. So the conversation that day, the professor just said, hey, let's talk about women learning about Jesus. Not leading, not teaching, no positions, no authority, none of that. Just women learning about Jesus. Seems very element. It seems yeah. very like Sunday schoolish. Uh-huh. Anyone can learn. So I raised my hand in a moment of vulnerability. I wish I hadn't in some ways, but I'm glad I did. Um, and I just said, I'm afraid. 
I think I'm kind of scared to learn too much about Jesus because I'm a woman. And before I could really process that, one of the students in the class, a male student turned around, pointed at me, and he said, just stop, stop it. You can learn too much about Jesus. And when you do, you are a threat to the local church and to the institution of marriage. You need to stop. So my professor jumps in. He like, you know, rescues me and silences that student and dignifies the women in the room and defends our honor and calls for a bathroom break. So I'm like booking it. Are you the only woman in the room? No. Okay, good. There are tons of other women in the room. But I book it to the bathroom. I'm so grateful that the professor stuck up for me, but I was humiliated. So in addition to feeling fear about learning too much about Jesus, someone just affirmed, yep, those are real fears and you should be afraid and you should stop. He follows me to the bathroom. Into the women's restroom. Into the West, yeah. He gets one foot in the door. He holds open the door. He says, I have one question for you. Why are you even here? And it's a George Costanza moment. You're like, I wish I had this like snarky, Ah, like fire right back. But instead I was like, I mean, just to learn about the Bible, like the same reason you are. And he left. And I gathered myself and went back to class. But I think here's why I fell in that, Jamie, is that you hear him say that and people are like, oh, no. No, ma'am. Like, who, what is his name? Yeah. Let me take off my earrings. I'm wondering, where is he serving where right now? Where does he live? Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to defend your honor. You know, I don't know his name. He's not the point of the story. And he and I thought the same way. Mm. It's just the way he, when he yelled it at me, but I, I was afraid to learn too much about Jesus because I was a woman. He was afraid I could learn too much about Jesus because I was a woman. We thought the same way. And I think it took someone yelling those words at me before I realized, wait a minute, that can't be right. Yeah. Why do I think that way? Mm -hmm. And then I start talking to other female leaders that are like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm too much. I don't know if this is okay. I mean, I'm studying the Bible all the time. Sometimes I study more than my spouse. Mm -hmm. What do you say now to a woman who feels that way? I mean, I know you wrote a whole book about it, but I mean. I tell them what that professor told me that day. He leaned in the podium, he looked at me and he said, don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. You keep going, sister of the faith. And essentially, he was saying, run, run really hard after Jesus. Do not stop and don't ever give up pursuing knowing more about him from the scriptures. And so I hear that all the time come up. I bet you remember his name. Dr. Allman. There you go. He's the hero. One of the things that you write about in this book was, was when I was yelling, yes, go cat, go cat, <laughs> is along with the same message of learning enough is you say that when we say that women— can't learn a lot about Jesus because they're women is we're taking the scriptures of what Jesus said and saying this doesn't apply to an entire group of people. That's right. Which, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and yes. mind. Yep. So do we say men? Right. You talk about that. And I was just, yeah. I mean, I've read that verse a thousand times. Me too. I think I've gendered it. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. That's my issue, but I don't think anyone did it for me, but I really looked at heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I thought, oh, heart and soul, that's women's I got work. that. We, we do, we're, women are emotional. Yeah, we're the men heart are and smart, soul. Yeah. And then I thought mind and strength, that's gotta be the guys. The problem was, is that I can't get enough of the scriptures. I, I wanna be holding my Bible right now. I'm like, I just, I wanna talk about the scriptures all day long. And then I'm super strong. I'm super strong. Strong personality, sharp convictions, prophetic leanings, like leadership skills that are being affirmed by my local church and the elders at my church that pray over me and support me. So you you wrap all that up and you're like, so what am I supposed to do with that? But you know what? I'm looking at Genesis to Revelation and I think I gender all sorts of stuff. It's so wackadoodle. My brain is so weird. But I think in Genesis, when you get the cultural mandate, which is you know to, to be fruitful and multiply and to rule and subdue, 
I think I did it with that too. I took rule and subdue and I said, oh, that's the guys. And then I took multiply and I'm like, oh, that's the girls. That's what we do. But we're supposed to rule and subdue together, supposed to multiply together. And then I did it with a great commandment. I think I did it with a great commission. Great commission, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I thought I could totally make disciples, but I, I need to leave the baptizing to the guys. I think I do it. And, you know, someone who studied the scriptures in seminary, you're supposed to apply it. Mm-hmm. You're not just supposed to read it. Mm-hmm. I think that that you're you're touching a, a nerve that even listeners might not know they had, if that makes sense. Because you and I are sitting here saying, oh, we've thought these things. Then a lot of women listeners to the show have probably felt those things as well. And I just, I was so proud in your book because, and you meant, you alluded to this earlier and I'm going to bring it up, is that in this book, some people would feel like, oh, well, what's Kat's theological stance? Uh-huh. And you don't ever mention it. I do not. Ever. No. And I loved that. Um, because people want you to. Yes. So like, oh, I need to know which camp is Kat in, so I know yeah. if I like her or not. Yep. Nope. Uh-uh. Not at all. I find more common ground with people that I, quote, air quotes, disagree with. Uh-huh. And I think this whole polarization that's it's in our nation, it's in our economy, it's it's it political, you name it, it's across the board, it's happening in churches. Man, we just we make people enemies that are not our enemies. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um my husband and I disagree on all sorts of things in the Bible, in theology, in worship style, all sorts of things. And you know what? It hasn't impacted our 18-year love affair. You know, like the 17 years we've been married. Some of these things, what we agree on is more important. Yeah. What I agree upon is that the Word of God is always true. Everything in there is true. I believe it. I'm trying to figure out how to apply it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I've got that right. Well, we learn and, you know, learn and learn and learn. I said this often as Aaron and I get my Aaron and I keep saying that. <laughs> like, like I'd be hanging out with Aaron your Aaron, Armstrong. not Aaron Armstrong, Aaron <laughs> Ivy and I. Um, We'll get asked often, mm-hmm. how do you function well like this mm-hmm. um, with Jamie um, traveling and speaking and mm-hmm. doing these things? It, and would you say that's like a number one question? Probably number one question. The, on the way here, I thought, I have so many questions I want to ask Jamie. What is your number one question you get? And I I had a bet going that that would be it. When, when Aaron and I are together, it's usually the number one. Besides like who cooks and who cleans. That's <laughs> obvious. <laughs> I do not cook. Um but that is one of the number one questions that we get mm-hmm. is how do you function this way? How does your marriage function? How does your ministry function? And one of the things I love about you that I feel so connected on you is we both have husbands that support us so well. Oh, And so yeah. your message in this book and a lot of my message as well that I'm passionate about is I have not experienced what you have experienced. And I remember you and I were both at the lit conference that Beth did. And yeah. she even talked about some of her experiences. Yeah. And I have only been doing this for like five or six years. So I feel like I kind of got in mm-hmm. and I haven't experienced a lot of these things. And so for me personally, I have never, ever felt my mm-hmm. local church, yeah. anyone there tell me I can't do what I do. Right. Nobody ever right. has ever looked at me and said, you can't do what you do. Right. But I hear stories all the time from women who have walked this road. And so that's why I'm so proud of this message because you're, you're encouraging women to to love God yeah. with everything. Yes. And that's not always heard. Oh, okay, so it's fascinating to me that that's the number one question you get. And it makes total sense because that shows a felt need for mm-hmm. some women and men that are like, what do you do if you're married to a Jamie Ivy Or Kat Art, fill in the blank. What yeah. do you do with mm-hmm. that? And well, you're just like any other spouse. You're supposed to steward their gifts. Yep. 
and make sure that they have every opportunity possible to bring glory to God and and work towards the common good of all people. This is just, but there's gotta be something underneath that that why why do people ask? Because we think it should look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I talk a lot about that in the book, that we we have really, we've elevated marriage, motherhood, a certain type of person. Like there's not a certain Enneagram number that can serve God better than the other. There's not a personality type. Like stay-at-home mom isn't less than someone who's working. I just feel like we've gotten real, we make hierarchies out of things that there isn't a hierarchy. And it's detrimental to Every place that that happens. Every person. So if I bet if you sat down with Aime, uh, Aaron Ivey and Aaron Armstrong, if they got together, there wouldn't be one conversation about, man, how's it like being married to Jamie? <laughs> right. I bet it would just be totally normal. Yeah. Like, this is just what uh-huh. our family does. Yeah. We, yeah. Just, we worship God and we teach the Bible. Guys, I'm going to pause just for a second in the middle of this conversation to thank two of our sponsors that make today's show happen. The first sponsor is Lola. If we care about the ingredients and the food that we eat and the beauty products that we use, why shouldn't the same be true of our feminine care products? The FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products, so most of them don't. Lola offers complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, their pads, their liners, and wipes all of which are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. Plus, with Lola's customizable subscription, you get to choose your mix of products, mix of absorbency, number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. Guys, you can even change, skip, or cancel at any time. Y'all know that our bodies shift and change throughout all of our life as a woman. I have loved the flexibility with Lola to order items that fit my specific needs when it comes to my cycle, especially important to me, is the quality of their feminine products. It matters to me what I'm eating and it matters to me the beauty care that I'm putting on my body. And so I think it matters as well with what feminine products that I'm using. I'm grateful also that when it comes time for my daughter and her friends to need feminine care products, Lola is an available, safe and transparent brand that they can use as well. For 40% off your first month subscription, visit mylola.com and enter happy hour 40. That's mylola, M-Y-L-O-L-A.com. Use the code happy hour 40. Today's show is also brought to you by Beholding and Becoming. Every day is an opportunity to be shaped and formed by what moves your heart, drives your thoughts, and captures your gaze. Is it any wonder then that what you behold matters in your day-to-day? Author, artist, and personal friend of mine and creator of Grace Laced, Ruth Jo Simons invites you on a new journey in her book, Beholding and Becoming. With more than 850 pieces of original art, Ruth offers wisdom and beauty exploring 16 themes in her stunning and beloved style. Becoming what you behold when you set your heart and mind on Christ and His redemption story right in the middle of your daily life. Not just on Sundays and not just on holidays and not just when extraordinarily hard or wonderful things happen, but today. If you love Ruth Simons of Grace Lace, then you're not going to want to miss the next step in the Grace Lace journey. You guys, Ruth is a personal friend of mine. She's been on the show. She's been at our live events. I have a copy of this book and it is absolutely gorgeous. Order your copy of Beholding and Becoming wherever books are sold and visit Ruth online at ruthjoesimons.com. That's Ruth and then C-H-O-U-Simons.com. And for the holidays, consider tucking a copy away for a friend. I think that's a great idea right now. You guys, Beholding and Becoming will make the perfect gift for whoever you love this holiday season. Okay, here's the rest of my conversation with my friend, Kat. 
someone was asking us on a podcast that we were both on, which doesn't happen often. How do you have two different ministries that do two different things? Uh That's the same type of question. How do you do what you do? You're both doing two different things. Aaron Ivey is always quick to say, but we actually are on the same mission. That's right. He says, she has a podcast. I'm a pastor. We both have the same mission as we want people to know the Lord. And I just like, I know that because we had those conversations. Uh, But when I heard him say it, I was like, yes, Uh this is it. Yes. We're on the same mission. We just do it differently. A hundred percent. When Aaron was interviewed by Dallas Bible Church, where he serves as a lead pastor in Richardson, Texas, they interviewed me several times. Obviously, they didn't know who I was and want to make sure that we're a team, we're together. And I remember that question of, you know, how do you, what role do you see here, Kat, for you? And Aaron jumped in. He's like, her role is my wife. And I was like, yeah, and I want to be involved. And he goes, but she's got a thing. And we've worked 15 years to get her into a place where she's really operating in her gifts. And he said in front of this whole group of elders and staff wives, like, I I don't want to mess with what she's doing. God is anointing what she's doing. And it was like a moment in the room that I cried. And later I was like, I, have, I haven't felt that love. Aww. Wow. Thank you for saying that. I knew you. that's how you thought about it. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, we come home and I'm like, what are you studying? What are you studying? I'm thinking about this message. What do you think about it? I've got this problem in my ministry. Oh, I have had that problem too. So we really, we talk about the same things. I love it. One of the things you mentioned, and I think I'll probably quote you in a book I'm writing, is you talk about this lie that we've been fed as women that um, my greatest joy is marriage and my highest calling is motherhood. And this is a really big, I wouldn't even call it a pet peeve because- it's it's a very harmful teaching that yeah. has been taught. And I don't think everyone teaches it, obviously, no. but it has been taught. Yeah. And it isolates a lot of women mm. who are doing amazing things for the kingdom yeah. because they um, choose to not have children or yes. their body will not let them have children yes. or they are single. Yeah. Do you see this often? Oh, so much. It breaks my heart. And I think that the the revelation I had is that I, I participated in that. I, so I benefited. Oh my gosh, Kat, that reminded me of some of the things. When you were saying some of the things that you've said, mm-hmm. in this this is not the book I read because this is a real copy. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had an, art, an advanced reader copy. In the side, I wrote, ouch. Yeah. Because you told a story. Yeah. And I said, I've I've done that. that. I've done that. Yeah, my friend Kelly and I had a conversation. I just invited her to a Bible study. I've been leading small group Bible studies in my home for 20 years. And I said, hey, come and be a part of this Bible study. At the time, she was single, wanted to be married. We'd been going to church together, been friends for a long time. And she said, meh, I don't really want to come. So why? What are you talking about? Of course you want to come. She was like, no. Sometimes I just feel like the, the Bible isn't really for me as a single woman. I feel like every... And she's, I said, what? What are you talking about? And um, I wasn't a safe person, but she still like shared her story with me. And essentially she just said, as a single woman without kids, I feel left out every Sunday morning. Everything's assumed, every announcement made, all the ministries we form, they're focused on that nuclear family and I don't fit. And she goes, and the worst part is that I want to. The worst part is that that's what I want. And there are some women who tell you, I don't want that. I'm called to celibacy. I'm called to be single. God's told me I need to do that. But that wasn't Kelly's story. And I remember listening and thinking, she said the word holding pattern. I feel like I'm just in a holding pattern. Like I can't move on in life. And I'm not even like fully human, not fully a woman until I can experience marriage and motherhood. And because I was married at a young age and wasn't sure I wanted to have kids, but knew I was able to physically, I was like, what's the big deal? 
I don't know. And then I remember thinking, you know, her her problem's just timing. Mm. Just not her time. Like her Prince Charming's coming. And I, it's taken me a while to go, uh-oh, those are actually really harmful thoughts to say, oh, her Prince Charming's on the way. It's just a matter of time. And she just as soon as you stop looking, yes. he'll be there. Oh yeah, stop trying. You'll have a baby. Those those things are really can really hurt people. And at the end of the day, it goes back to a belief that I had that I would find the most joy being married. And I do love being married to Aaron. I love it. But most of my joy comes from Jesus. And then I also used to think that motherhood would be my highest calling. Like that would be like the pinnacle of life. And I love being Caleb's mommy, but Jesus is better. He is, he's better. And so I think for any woman listening that feels left out of the majority in any way, they can look to the scriptures and go, the great commandment has nothing to do with marriage, kiddos, life stage. And I would go so far, now I'm starting to realize, I think I value women in their childbearing years than any other age. What do you mean by that? I think once women, what I've talked to a ton of widows. Now my mom's a widow. I've talked to a lot of women who kids are out of out of school, empty nesters. I've talked to a lot of women who are in their 70s and 80s that are my mentors at church. And they're like, I feel useless, invisible, totally unseen. Mm. And I almost think unless someone's producing humans with their body as a woman, we don't really value the life stage they're in. When really the 70 and 80 year old has basically become my favorite person on the planet. I'm like, teach me everything you know. Everything. Everything. So I walk with him through the halls like, hey, how's it going? How was your week? Can we meet again? Um, But I think generally speaking, I didn't used to feel that way. That's interesting. I've never thought about that before. I just wonder if we, and Jesus makes such an emphasis on the widow Mm -hmm. and the orphan and the folks that are not in the childbearing years. Right. I've never thought about that. I will say when I read that chapter, I agree with everything you said. Like I have the same feelings on that as you is I think that we're doing a lot of people a disservice when we portray that those are the highest joy and highest calling. But I, and I'm with you on the same page and it's a, it's a thing for me that I think about, but I was really convicted while reading that chapter of mm. how am I, who I don't think these things, but how am I yeah. actually making this yeah. more yeah. inadvertently? Um, and I thought about my illustrations when I speak my guests on the show. I mean, all these things. And so I was thankful for your chapter. I read it kind of, ah, I know what she's going to say. And I was convicted mm-hmm. of how do I change even my language mm-hmm. or even just maybe if you change your language, but you don't change your heart. Mm-hmm. Like even what you just said, I've never even thought about that. Yeah, I think I'm learning too, just the, if there's someone listening that feels like, gosh, but does she value marriage and motherhood? Because I'm out here in these streets trying to raise these babies and no one's appreciating me. And I'm like day in, day out, giving my life to disciple the next generation. And I think we've done, we just there's so many issues that we could talk about because as soon as you say, marriage and motherhood are not the highest calling of a woman, they're not gonna be your greatest joy, Jesus will. Then I think we've got women at home raising children that are like, so what am I, chop liver? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not right either. Right. So there's we've got to find a way to like talk about marriage and motherhood as sacred opportunities, divine appointments, so valuable, but not like the end all. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, and I already mentioned it, but you talk about this in one of your chapters about loving God is really this encouragement to women, which I was just like, yes, I needed it in my heart as well when I was reading your book of just you have the opportunity to love God with everything that you have. Yeah. And when I say that out loud, and even when I read your chapter titles, I think that's, again, that seems so mm-hmm. like obvious. Yeah. Of course we do. 
Yeah. But then you read it and you go, but sometimes I don't think that. Yeah. And so when you're meeting women who mm-hmm. you talked about with polish and you're seeing the mm-hmm. same felt need, how is it when you see the light bulb go off of like, oh, wait, I can do these things? Yeah. Yeah. I think they get super involved in their local church. And I think I remind them, this isn't about title or power or position. This isn't about any of that. You just run as fast as you can. You just find a place. You know, the the reason that I got discipled in college is I think someone told my mentor, Carrie, find someone in your circle of influence who knows the least about the Bible, who's willing to read it with you and spend time with them on a regular basis. That was it. And you know what? She did it because someone told her that being a Christian is making disciples. And now I was the person who knew the least about the Bible who was willing to meet with her on a regular basis, and she changed my whole life. And you think about that, and you're like, we just need to be more like Carrie. Mm. We just go to where, anywhere in your influence, who's who's closest to you? How old was Carrie, and how old were you? She was was 20, and I was 18. I, I love this example. Do you write about Carrie in the book? I don't think I do. I talk about her a lot. Okay, maybe I've heard you talk about her. I love that example because I think we can overthink what that looks like yep. to disciple someone. And I heard someone say one time, um, if you just know one thing more than somebody else, tell them what you know. Well, it's funny. I saw her for the first time. I was speaking at a conference with her and I saw her for the first time. I said, I'm going to talk about you today. You're going to be my illustration point about discipleship. She said, what? I said, yeah. Remember we met regular basis? She was like, yeah, I, I do. I said, hey, what was the curriculum you were using? It was so good. She goes, curriculum? I didn't have no curriculum. So what are you talking about? Of course you did. You always had something to say. She goes, Kat, every time I walked in those doors, I thought, dear God, help me. I have nothing to offer Kat. And she said, you know what I would do? She said, I would just repurpose what I heard on Sunday morning. I would just take a couple notes and bring it. And she goes, the whole time you would talk, I'll just pray, pray, pray. God, Holy Spirit, give me something to say to encourage Kat today. And from my perspective, I thought she was working through a 12-week curriculum that Lifeway had produced and that she had like memorized all these verses in the Bible and she was two years older than me and she changed my whole life. That is so encouraging. I, we can have such a radical impact on someone's life just to be like Carrie. I mean, I look at the only reason I own a Bible, the only reason I went to a Bible study, it's because of Carrie. She started it all, you know, and with so little, she was, I was like, did we meet every week? She goes, I don't think so. And so, I think she just reminded me of how how simple it can be. I love our friends at If Gathering that talk about discipleship in this way. You just one-on-one with somebody else. A lot of people have come on the show and they have a name of somebody. Angela in eighth grade. That's right. Sharon at my office. That's right. And I'm reminded of that as you talk about your friend Carrie, about how it's just that person doing the best that they know how. Yep. They're not a professor. Mm-mm. Most of them are not pastors. Mm-mm. Nope. Most of them are just someone in their life who said, hey, I just want to meet with you and talk. Spend time with me. Yeah. It's encouraging. It's encouraging because we tend to overthink things. Yeah. So I think when you get to the point of like, all right, I'm going to read Kat's book. No more holding back. Like, I'm going to love God and love others. I need to figure out how to start a 501c3. No. You just like look up. And go, who's the newest person who knows the least amount of the Bible who will spend some time with me on a regular basis? That is so good. That's it. So, Kat, people are listening. They love your message. They love you because you're so cute and Kat Armstrong and so <laughs> smart and love Jesus. Um, what do you want women to feel when they finish this book? I want them to think I am totally emboldened to do this. There's, I've worked through all the junk. It took a couple chapters, but I worked through all the junk. 
now I, I'm looking at the first and second greatest commandment to love God and love others, and I'm all about it. So I want them to read the book. I want them to go to my website. I want them to invite me to speak at their church. I want them to start a polished chapter, all of that. But more than anything, I think if they finish the book and they go, I can't believe I've let these things hold me back. No more. Like drawing a line in the sand. I'm going to just serve Jesus. You know who I'm encouraged by? Our 20-year-olds coming up. Oh, they're amazing. I really am. I'm super encouraged by them because I think that they are— grasping this message faster than us 40 and 50 year olds. A hundred percent. Yeah. I've had several interns cycle through Polish, help me with the website, help me with my blog. And they are, they'll devour books that I waited to read until I was 30. Felt like they were too, too heady for me. They're devouring them at 18, 19 and 20. And then they're, they're coming back with such fervor. So I have so much confidence. I love that. In millennials and the generation coming behind them. They're going to change the world, and I can't wait to watch them. And I just want to cheer. We're going to be cheering them on. Yeah, we'll be like at the like at the marathons. We'll have like water station on the twelfth <laughs> mile. We're like, you got it, girls. We've done this. You can do this. Keep going. Keep going. Um, okay, Kat, I'm super proud of you for this book. I love the message. I'm not saying this just to say it. Kat knows it's true. She has a tech message to prove it. I devoured it, and I <laughs> underlined it, and I dog-eared it, and I wrote ouch in the sides, and. <laughs> I just, I just, I love it. I love your message. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, I always ask three things you're loving. What are you reading? Okay. Three things that I love. I cannot live without my sweat proof underwear. I need you to tell me all about this. (laughs) Okay. So it's called NYX. N-I-X. And K-N-I-X. K-N-I-X. Okay. NYX. There's all sorts of different brands. Erin has underwear called Saks. (laughs) (laughs) S-A-X-X. Did you know that? Saks. He loves them. You can research that. Maybe Aaron Armstrong needs some sex. I'm sorry you made my day. I'm sorry. That, yeah. that was worth the whole interview. I'm this, glad. this moment. Okay, so I'm going to treasure it. Tell me about it. They're, it's underwear designed for people who don't want to use feminine products. I don't know how I feel about that. I know. See, wait, wait, stop. Your face is freaking you out. You said You're sweat freaking proof. Out. I didn't know period proof. It's period proof underwear. No, I have period proof underwear. Okay, but this NYX is, it's also sweat proof. So it's so like. you can wear it all times of the month? Anytime. I wear it every day. Every day. Can't go without Bikini, it like bikini style? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. They have all the things. I won't even, I know I won't work out with them. I mean, they are incredible. Okay, but I do, do you wear them when you're on your period without feminine, feminine products? No, I haven't tried that yet. Have you? I wear mine at night. Okay. If I'm on my period. Okay. I have no idea why. I feel like, well, 10 hours less of tampon time <laughs> in my life. It's got to be multiply good. Multiply that. I know it has to be good. Um, that's my number one. So can't live without Nick's underwear. The second one would be these Birkenstocks right here. I, I have never got on the Birkenstock train. I feel ridiculous. I bought some in May to go to San Miguel and to do all sorts of different travel. Oh, I do want they to go to San Miguel too, by the way. come off my feet. I have not They're worn. really cute. I changed my whole wardrobe. I'm not even kidding. Do you speak in them? Yes. No, I you do. don't. I do. I love it. I just spoke at a church and I was like, I don't care anymore. I have to speak in these. My back they're so hurt. comfortable. They're so comfortable. Would you have back pain? Yes. I do too. Oh, I have low back pain. Then after every speaking engagement, you got to go to the chiropractor. Then I have to stretch. I have to do the foam roller. It's a whole situation. I'm like, they don't pay me enough at the speaking engagement to pay for the chiropractic work. So, so these Birkenstocks. Everybody I know has them. I have not done it yet. I don't know. I think you should pray on it. I'm pray about it. Seek the Lord. I think he'll give you the right answer. If I open up my phone today and a Birkenstock ad comes up, you'll know. Which you know is <laughs> the Lord happen. or Siri. I don't know, but something's <laughs> it happening. Siri. Yeah, it is Siri. Okay, the last thing I can't live without. I'll reroute my travel plans in DFW for Susie Cakes Mini Chocolate Cake 
cupcakes. That's in DFW Airport? In, well, no, it's in DFW, like the city. They got a couple oh, okay, locations. Okay, you're saying. But if I'm in Dallas or Fort Worth or anywhere around and I'm out, you're going to get it. Susie Cakes. Okay, Susie Cakes. cakes. Absolutely. Specific cake at Susie Cakes? I like the chocolate on chocolate. I've tried all of them. I like Every single one of them I've tried. They're individual cakes? Uh, yep. You got you got cupcakes. You got the mini ones. You got cake cake, like layered cake. Tried all those. I've had the whoopie pie, had the pie, had the brown. I had it all. It's very important that you I love up. this. Yes. Yeah, I'm all about the sweets, but I, I, I feel very confident that I have um, traveled the DFW area to In figure out to the get best Susie. cupcake. Yeah. I believe that Susie Cakes should sponsor my life. So you love cupcakes. I do love cupcakes, but specifically the Susie Cakes. Susie Cakes, okay. Mm-hmm. Chocolate, mini, the mini ones. It's the perfect ratio of icing to cake. I love it. A hundred percent. I love it. Okay, what are you reading? Um, reading a couple nerdy books, Ben Witherington's commentary um, on any of the gospels. All What I'll do is I'll let them accompany my Devo time. And I don't want you to picture me every day like kneeling before the Lord like Sister Beth Moore does. Sometimes I get it in a couple days a week, right? Maybe one time for an extended period of time and I'm good. But when I do, I usually am in a gospel and I use Ben Witherington's commentaries to like read along. So I'll read the passage and I'll read what he says and be like, okay, thank you. Thank Thank you, you. Ben. Thank you, Ben. Witherington III. I just finished Norfleet Day, um, her 1999 doctoral dissertation for Baylor Seminary. She wrote about the woman at the well. She traced... From the early church fathers to modern day times, how she's been interpreted. Oh, I would love, actually would love to read this. It's one of my favorite stories. I ate it up. I ate it up. She just, she talked all about how we've interpreted her, the different history, what she looked like before Martin Luther, what after. It was fascinating. You would love it. I connected with her online. She's like 80 and she's retired from the seminary where she taught. And she emailed me back because the dissertation's like $200 online and sister doesn't have that. So I you got her. the Birkenstocks I got and the the sweat nicks. <laughs> My underwear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So her that was really good. And then I'm reading um Sharon Miller's nice book. When does it's, that come out? I just saw it her. It just came out. Oh, it's out. It's out. Congrats, Sharon. It's so, so good. And then I'm reading We Too by Mary DeMuth. Uh JD Greer endorsed the book and wrote the foreword. Wow, she's, you know, sexual abuse survivor and writes about how the church redemptively responded to the abuse and it was her healing place. And so I'm loving that book. I love that. I love that she's telling that story. I think the church can be a messy place sometime and it's full of broken people, leading broken people. Yep. Um, and there have been plenty of mistakes that have been made. Yeah. Uh, but I love to hear a story of redemption that way. Mm-hmm. So I'll see you at the ARLC conference. Yeah, I'll be there. Well, we're a whole team of Dallas Bible Church people are coming. Awesome. I'll be there. It's in October. So you can probably still register if you're listening to this. Um, in... Plano? No, it's in Grapevine. Grapevine. It's at that big... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? Hotel? The Gaylord. Gaylord. Yes, the Gaylord, Gaylord. Texan. Which, bring your walking shoes or your Birkenstocks. For real. That place is ginormous. I think, I, I just think you should pray about it, number one. But number two, you should really set a deadline to have your Birkenstocks by that event. Okay. Oh, okay. I think you need it. Um, Kat, I love what you're doing. I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of this book that you had come out this summer, No More Holding Back. It was an encouragement to me. I think it'll be an encouragement to a bunch of women. So cute. Thanks for coming by. Thanks so much. Today's show is brought to you by Beholding and Becoming. Are you feeling stuck in the rut of routine? Artist and author Ruth Jo Simons knows there is more for you even in the mundane moments. 
Her new book, Beholding and Becoming, is a masterpiece of incredible artwork and encouraging teachings to direct your gaze to God's splendor and your heart to His worship. Turn even the most ordinary moments into holy spaces of wonder. Order Beholding and Becoming wherever books are sold. Guys, I hope that you are leaving today's conversation encouraged to learn what it is to live freed from the barriers that keep you blocked from running after Jesus. I love when Kat shared the barriers she was experiencing creating that had her believing she better not learn too much from God's Word. Gosh, how often has that been the case for your own life or my life? And I am so thankful that God is not setting up limits for women to run after Him and that we are all invited to sit under His teaching. And we have the invitation to share that with those around us. Along with Kat's book, there is a DVD study and free downloadable 21-day prayer guide that goes along with the book that would be awesome for individuals or small groups to do together. You can check out the show notes over at jamieivy.com for all the details on where to find those resources. Today's show is edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slockers, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is Sarah May. She joined me in my tiny house to talk about the story of her book that is soon to release, which is called The Complicated Heart. The Complicated Heart, Loving Even When It Hurts, is the story of how Sarah learned to love and forgive her alcoholic mother. If you have struggled in any way to love someone, no matter the weight of hurt, this conversation is for you. It's really for all of us, you guys. And I cannot wait for you to meet Sarah May as we learn from her story how to love and forgive others. Guys, enjoy your week. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and follow my trip to El Paso with Tess Clark, who was on the show last week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys back here next week with my friend, Sarah May.